constant through all the years, Ray. Been Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet face. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career render, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, the Watch Out World. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. From the BTG Studios in Rochester, New York, I'm Rick Benson. With me is Zach Barletta, and this is the Beyond the Game program. Sports talk without the trash talk. Beyond the Game is on Twitter and other social media platforms, all using the same handle, at BTG program. If you're just joining us for the first time, we thank you for being with us. invite you to find more information about this radio ministry at our website, btgprogram.com. And I suspect that there are actually quite a few tuning in for the very first time today. We're excited to welcome in a new audience to the Beyond the Game program as we debut today on a new flagship station for us here in the Rochester, New York area. After a format change from CBS Sports to Latino Music, we were kind of left out in the cold at that last station when they Mm -hmm. changed. I mean, we're not really a good fit for Latino Music. Not that I have anything against Latino Music, but it just didn't seem to go along with what we were doing. The only Spanish I can speak is really Taco Bell menu items, so. But we are excited to be here on WYSL. We are switching to one of the strongest signals in the area on both FM and AM. And I'll tell you, Zach, I really couldn't feel more comfortable with this. We've been doing this show for nearly four years. And when we first started brainstorming this idea, what was it, like a decade ago in that corner table Mm -hmm. at a Starbucks? WYSL was actually the first thought that came to my mind. Of course, we didn't end up there until now for one reason or another. It just We aired on two sports-only stations, but I've always been at ease. I've always been attracted to WYSL's family feel. Not, not only the communications with the staff that they have, they've they've all been great as I've talked to them, but also the general vibe you get listening to their various programs and the ads they run. You know, some stations, they, especially sports stations, they try to be edgy. They try to push it a bit. They include a lot of what I would call barroom humor. And, and that's not what they seem to do at WYSL, which is why I'm so proud and pleased to finally be part of the lineup as a faith-based program. That is especially important to us. And for the sake of our new listening audience, I've already told you how excited I am to be on WISL. But let me take a moment and tell you what you can expect from our show. I prefer to not explain it as a faith show that includes sports, but rather just the opposite. It's a sports talk program that includes faith. The sports conversation is current, it's relevant, and and it's not just something we throw in as a hook. I like to think that Zach and myself are as knowledgeable as any of the big names you may be familiar with, and uh, I think we can pull that off right up until we try to do one of those prediction segments. Yeah, we like to think that anyways. Yeah, once we start predicting where teams will finish, it just all goes haywire. Over the next few weeks, we'll introduce a few recurring segments we enjoy, but what we really do is look at sports from a faith-based perspective. We'll take a sports topic, we'll break it down, and then during at least one segment each week, we'll make a life application using lessons and scriptures taken right from the Word of God. It's a unique one-hour program that I hope will encourage you, will inspire you. I'm aware of only about a, what, 
a half a dozen other programs across the nation which combine mm-hmm. sports and faith, and it's sort of cool how each one does it a little differently. None that I believe go back to the Bible as much as we do. It's America's favorite faith-based sports talk show. And that's based on a very scientific poll that I myself conducted interviewing people I know very well or who live in my home. Your wife, my wife, and both our mothers have all we needed. Coming up on today's program, we'll be talking with Andrew Dorr. He's the head coach of the cross-country program at Roberts Wesleyan, a very successful cross-country program. His program has won four straight ECC titles. His athletes have been enjoying success both on and off the field. In fact, two of his athletes were just named to all conference teams for their athletic prowess, but were also awarded with honors for their academic work, not only getting good grades, but balancing athletics with perfect 4.0 GPAs. I know the families of both Nathan Cannon and Mariah Martone, and for the Martone family, it was an especially good week. Not only did Mariah win that ECC Elite 18 award, which I was describing, we'll talk to Andrew about that coming up, but her little sister Aaliyah, had an exceptional soccer season with the Spencerport Rangers, notching the game-tying goal last weekend in a game that the Rangers would eventually win to advance to the state championship. And by the way, after two overtimes, I think it was, the championship game ended in a tie, resulting in Spencerport claiming a share of the state title. That's That's so weird. Yeah, that's very nice and all. Congratulations to Spencerport, by the way. But how unsatisfying is that? Now, I know, they'll say all the right things, but deep down, wouldn't you rather just win or lose? Mm-hmm. Do it like hockey. Go to three-on-three. Three. Yeah, they had nothing. They played two overtimes and said, all right, that's a tie. Come on back. We'll be right back after a few short messages along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. I want to tell you about White Mountain Air, air duct cleaning. I had them at my house earlier this week. They did a great job in cleaning out my vents and... Doing all kinds. The guy was extremely friendly. We had a good time. He was very nice. Showing me pictures. Like, I wanted to see pictures, Zach, of the stuff, the garbage he's pulling out of my vents. But Yeah, man, I don't want to know what's in there. Gave me a great price. Gave me a great deal. White Mountain Air. You can get a hold of them, 585-310-1532. They are a family-owned business, whitemountainair.com. We're coming up on winter. You're going to be in your house. Get your air ducts clean. Call White Mountain Air. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play, or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. The United States of America is a great and proud nation built on conservative values. And the ones most responsible for defending and maintaining those values are America's seniors. The American Seniors Association was founded on that premise and is committed to the preservation and strengthening of the rights of seniors, including the right for all seniors to live as comfortably as possible with dignity and respect. 
Please help us with this effort by joining the ASA today. For just $15 per year, you can save hundreds on insurance, travel, personal security, debt reduction, and more. And you'll be making a statement for senior rights in the process. Please join at www.americanseniors.org today. That's americanseniors.org. americanseniors.org. Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Mixing sports with faith. It was in 1734 that Alexander Pope wrote his poem, An Essay on Man. The work was written to explain and rationalize the ways of God to man. Pope maintained that man cannot know God's purposes. Therefore, he should not complain about his situation. In fact, he should accept that whatever is, is right, because God is sovereign. And because God is sovereign, there's just cause for optimism of a life to come. If you're not familiar with the poem, you're at least very likely with the phrase that originates from that work, hope springs eternal in the human breast. There's always hope. There's always reasons to hope. And when it comes to football of Western New York, particularly with Buffalo Bills fans, I have pointed out how quick they are to want to jump off a ledge. I've said it as though it's as though they watch the NFL season from a bridge, just waiting for an excuse to jump off. Mm -hmm. But the thing about Buffalo Bills fans is they at least always return to that bridge. They Mm -hmm. always start out a season optimistically. Give them credit. They're as great a fan base as there is in any sport. They are eternally hopeful. They are eternally faithful. They faithfully approach each season with renewed hope. Early in the season, Bills fans look at three and two or two and one with such optimism that it warms your heart. But as the season progresses, they look at five and four with despair that it makes your heart want to sink. Five and four, they're dissatisfied. Three and two, they're thrilled. A good friend of mine and quite possibly the most negative person I know pointed out this week that hope is recession proof. When the Bills announced on Wednesday that they were starting Nathan Peterman Sunday in favor of Tyrod Taylor, who's been the starter for the last three seasons now, he ridiculed fans for being so desperate for success that they dreamed the Bills' fifth-round pick from last year's draft could be the next Tom Brady, who was taken one round later back in 2000. He wondered aloud why fans weren't being more realistic and expecting Peterman to be more similar to those so many anonymous middle round draft picks who have not had success, who've not gone on to win five Super Bowls. After all, Peterman was the 171st pick of last year's draft, meaning that 170 players were picked before him. I would have to believe that the majority of those middle round picks have not gone on to win five Super Bowls. Am I right? (laughs) No. Tom Brady's one of two guys. I mean, who was the other one? Charles Haley, I think, might be the other I guy think that's done right. that. But what does it hurt to hope? What does it hurt to be excited about a change? Sure, you may set yourself up for disappointment. Bills fans seem to do that year after year. Mm-hmm. I'm a Knicks fan. I'm doing the same thing. But Bills fans are always willing to take that chance. That's what makes him so great. And many of our regular listeners know that I've never been all that high on Tyrod Taylor. 
you know, look, I identify that the guy's got talent. I think he can play. I just don't think he's a top-tier quarterback, and he's definitely not a franchise guy. Although I will say that as this season has gone on, he has impressed me at times. The way he led that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he was in charge. We talked about it after that game. I thought he did great. This, though, strikes me as odd. The timing is interesting to me. I, he did not play last week, play well last week against the Saints, but he did at times this season play very well. My co-host knows the Bills as well or better, I think, than most people who are paid to report on this team. And as I said, Zach, the timing is strange. So maybe you can explain to me why the Bills would make this move now. Does it have anything to do that they're playing the Chargers and Anthony Lynn is the Chargers head coach? Could it have something to do with that? You're not the first person to speculate on that. And I do think that that plays a part in it. I also think Tyrod Taylor is just not a good fit for what the Bills want to do on offense. And I think What's been alarming is that the last couple of weeks, they have not been able to do any of the things that they have wanted to do on offense. And after the Jets game, one of the Bills offensive players came out and said, the Jets studied well, they knew the things that we want to do, and they took them all away. And I think that Tyrod Taylor, because he doesn't fit the offense very well, they're limited in what they can do with him at quarterback. They've had to take For example, all their plays with three-step drops, they've taken them out of the offense because Taylor doesn't function well in those types of plays. And I think they're in a limited playbook. There's certain things they do well. Other teams have schemed to take those things away, and they really have no other options to turn to. Where Nathan Peterman, he might not be... In fact, I don't think he is as talented as Tyrod Taylor, but he's accurate. He throws timing throws, which is what this offense is, is built around. He will throw a receiver open instead of waiting for a receiver to become open like Tyrod Taylor does. So while I don't think Nathan Peterman is the next Tom Brady, while I don't think he's even as talented as the quarterback he's replacing, I do think he's a better fit for the offense. It just seems when they're coming into a stretch where they're playing strong defenses, they've Mm -hmm. got a couple of games coming up, you would want a mobile quarterback. You would want a guy that would move around. To me, if you're going to make the change now, why wouldn't you have made it at the beginning of the season? Why wouldn't you have done it in the offseason and start your search for that franchise guy back then? Why Why now? You're still in a playoff chase. You're still looking for your first playoff berth since 1999, I think. Mm-hmm. If Taylor wasn't the solution, why did you bring him back? That's the thing I can't get my hands around. Yeah, well, you know, I think I said before the season when we discussed some of the big trades that the Bills had made that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean insisted that they were trying to win now and in the future. And I think we called shenanigans on them when we said, look, you're trading away a starting corner. You're trading away Sammy Watkins. You're clearly not trying to win now. But Sean McDermott insisted that they were, and at the start of the season, they did. And, you know, I'm starting to believe that maybe they, they do have a formula where they can win now and in the future. So I think that... Maybe Nathan Peterman wasn't ready week one, but he believes that he is now. Clearly, what Tyrod Taylor has been doing, although he put up good stats against the Jets, the Bills were never really in that game. They were out of the game from about five minutes in against the Saints, and Tyrod Taylor completed one pass in that entire game to a wide receiver. And I think when you've gone out and added a guy like Calvin Benjamin, who's not going to run wide open, he needs to be thrown open by his quarterback, I think making the switch to a quarterback who can do that makes a little sense. I don't think it's like you learned anything about Tyrod Taylor in these last nine games that you didn't already know. Mm -hmm. 
So one of the things you just said in there is maybe Peterman's ready now. So I kind of wonder if this is less about Tyrod Taylor. I don't think he played so poorly that he played his well way out of a job. Granted, last week was a bad game, but I think that was more of an anomaly. It yeah. was a, it was a blip on the radar. And everything as, went wrong for. As Buffalo. has been mentioned, Tyrod Taylor didn't give up forty seven points. You know, he's yeah. he might be the reason they didn't win the game, but he's not the reason they lost the game. If you know what I mean. Yeah. So I just wonder if if Peterman has progressed to the point where he should be the starter now, where Coach McDermott thinks now he's ready to go. And, you know, to this point about timing, McDermott said on Wednesday that when you transition quarterbacks, I don't know if there's ever a right time, honestly. And and, and that's a true statement. There may never be a right time, but there is always hope. And there's a good reason for Bills to have hope. Former Super Bowl winning coach and Quarterback guru and very possibly the next coach at Tennessee, John Gruden, said of Peterman back in April that Peterman is ready to walk in and be a contributor from day one. And though taken well after first-round picks like Deshaun Watson, Mitch Trubisky, Patrick Mahomes, Gruden said that Peterman was the most pro-ready quarterback of the 2017 Mm -hmm. class. Bills fans are always looking for that next Jim Kelly. And they're hopeful that Peterman, maybe he can be that guy. The Bible says in Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. There is no hope more certain than that of Jesus Christ, and his return is closer than ever. If you're a Christian, you should be expecting the return of Jesus, and it should be a glorious hope to welcome that day. Jesus came the first time to die on a cross. He came in humility. He was judged by men, but the second time, he will be coming to judge all men. This passage in Titus, it tells us that the gospel is available to all people. God's grace is freely available to everyone. When Jesus comes to judge man in that final judgment, in that second coming, I want to be right with God. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. And you might be thinking to yourself, you know, I've never asked God to forgive me of my sins. Perhaps you don't know for certain. Maybe you're not sure where you would spend eternity if you were to die today. Perhaps you don't look to the return of Jesus Christ the same way believers do. Perhaps you don't share that same hope that Christians do. Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 14 who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. He gave himself for us. He died on a cross so that you might know eternal life. On that cross, he bore your sins as well as mine as a sacrifice to make atonement for us, to bridge the gap that sin puts between God and ourselves. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. At first John 1.9, here's the thing about our sins. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When Jesus comes, I want to be forgiven of sins. Can you go back to a time where you've asked God to forgive you? We're all sinners. 
We're all in need of God's grace and forgiveness. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means apart from salvation in Christ, who died to pay for our sins, that means you're separated from God. Apart from that, we come short of spending eternity with him. He's willing to forgive you, and he's waiting for you. He wants you to call on him. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. The Bible says that anyone, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I want to encourage you that if you can't go back to that point where you ask God to forgive you, then you don't probably have that same hope of Jesus' return. But he will return, and it is certain that he will return. Pray to God. Tell him that you know you're a sinner. Tell him you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. Start a new life. Repent from those sins and seek after God. If you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. We think we have it spelled out pretty clearly there under the Know Jesus tab. And if you'd like us to pray for you, send us a note. Go through the contact information. It's all right there on the website. Thanks for being with us. With Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. Time now for the Red Hawks recap for the week of November 18th, 2017. The Red Hawks recap is being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. Basketball season got underway last weekend, and after dominating Nyack College at home 104-65, the women's team fell to American International 66-52. Sophomore Taya Andrews scored 20 points in the season opening win, as fellow sophomore Emily Miller had a double-double scoring 10 points to go along with 10 rebounds. Miller then had another strong game in the loss, scoring 11 points with 5 rebounds, 4 steals, and 4 assists. As senior sharpshooter Lucy Kobley hit 7 three-pointers over the weekend, six of them coming against Nyack, she is now only nine shy of the ECC record of 288. On the men's side, the Red Hawks are off to a 3-0 start for the first time since 2010-2011. They defeated Nyack College last Friday, 67-60, behind 19 points from junior transfer Jean Touchant, who also grabbed seven rebounds. The men followed that up on Saturday with a 75-56 victory over Felician College. Redshirt junior Justin Vaughn scoring 17 points in just 22 minutes, but junior Michael Bush added 16 points, and senior Manny Joseph 15 points. And then on Wednesday, Roberts downed Notre Dame College 79-76, getting 21 points from junior Peyton McLaurin. And finally, the women's volleyball team closed out what has been a long and difficult season. The Red Hawks finished 2-30 overall after dropping matches last weekend on the road against Malloy College 3-1 and then Queens College 3-0. Freshman Grace Detweiler recorded 9 kills, 4 blocks, and 7 digs in a strong effort against Malloy. If you hurry, you can still get out to the Baller Athletic Center and see the men's basketball team take on Georgian Court University later today. That's November 18th. Start time is 4 p.m. And that is the Red Hawks reach-out night. For each new toy that you bring, you will receive a free admission into the game. The Red Hawks are back in action again tomorrow the 19th, taking on Chestnut Hill College. The back-to-back games are part of the Red Hawks Alumni Classic. That'll be it until next Saturday the 25th when they host their fourth straight game at home. Once again, tipping off against Nyack College, start time is 2 p.m. But that's it for Roberts Athletics at home over the next week. For more information on Roberts Wesleyan Athletics, including scores, highlights, and more, visit their website, robertsredhawks.com. 
Follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. The Red Hawks recap is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, mixing sports with faith. Beyond the Game is recorded in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. Find us at btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. We want to say hello to Powder Springs, Georgia, where the Beyond the Game podcast was downloaded this past week. Probably at some point during that humiliating loss to Auburn, some Bulldog fans there in Georgia turned the TV off and Turn to our show for a little encouragement. I have no doubt about that. I don't blame them. Visit our website. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast source may be. It's easy to subscribe to the program so you can have it automatically downloaded to your device of choice. I have some friends who once lived in Powder Springs. I think they've since moved, but they took my wife and I when we were visiting on one time to this great barbecue joint. I wish I could remember the name, but I do remember how good... The food was, and the funny thing is, I can remember the, the how the restaurant looks. I can see the restaurant, the inside of it. I can even see the food I ordered, but for the life of me, I can't remember the name of the restaurant. <laughs> New York Giants tight end Evan Ingram, first-round pick out of Ole Miss in last year's draft, born in Powder Springs, Georgia, as was Rory Anderson, a tight end who played for the San Francisco Giants, seventh-round pick out of South Carolina in 2015. Must be something in the water there in Powder Springs, Georgia. Maybe it's that barbecue that builds quality tight ends. I think I'll just leave that right there. You'll get it sometime later. Thanks for listening, Powder Springs, Georgia. Thanks for listening in England, in Ireland, a couple of other places. A show was downloaded this past week. Wherever it is you may be listening from, perhaps even our new flagship station, WYSL, here in the Rochester, New York area. We thank you for being with us. It's time now for me to hand the reins over to Zach, who'll bring us this week's shenanigans statements. And for the benefit of those tuning in for the first time, Zach will make a statement here, to which each of us will either agree with the statement or we'll call shenanigans on it and give a brief explanation. It's a segment we do each week. I particularly enjoy it because we get to cover a few topics in a short amount of time. So Mm -hmm. take it away, Zach. All right, statement number one. The recently retired Carlos Beltran is an MLB future Hall of Famer. Why don't you go first this time? I think so. Um, I think there's, first of all, there's something to be said for longevity. 20 seasons is nothing to sneeze at. Um, he's in some elite company, though. I saw a Sports Center fact recently. Carlos Beltran is one of only five players in history with 400 career homers and 300 career steals, along with Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez, Willie Mays, and Andre Dawson. It's a pretty good company, and I think because of the last few years when he's played basically without knees and been mostly a DH, it's tough to remember that he used to be a, a two-way threat, stealing bags, covering tons of ground in the outfield. I think that elite company that he's in makes him a Hall of Famer for me. Yeah, I, I agree. I wouldn't bank on him being a first-rounder, but depending on the potential class that goes in with him, I think he gets in, even just based on longevity. Good night. Mm-hmm. He played 20 years, I think. Yeah. But 
500 home runs, short of that. 3,000 hits, short of that. So maybe he's not a first-timer. I think the all-around game gets him in. You know, combining the speed with the power, as you said, one of five players with 400 home runs, 300 stolen bases. Yeah, I. the bigger discussion to me is not if he gets in. It's what cap he will wear. Mm-hmm. He played for seven teams. Probably, maybe, arguably, debatably, his best seasons came with the New York Mets. But when he left the Mets, there was a bit of friction there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe he could be like Greg Maddox, who has no nothing on his cap. He went in with a plain cap. I, I don't know. On his on his plaque, he should have that. Remember earlier this year when he drew hair on his bald head with a Sharpie? <laughs> That's what he should have on his plaque. That would be awesome. Here's the segue. Speaking of Carlos Beltran, he's been mentioned in connection to the Yankees' managerial vacancy. So truth or shenanigans, the Yankees' new manager will have no prior managing experience. Yeah, I I agree. I think that's probably the case. My best guess is still my original. I I said right from the start, I think Giants bench coach Hensley Mullins, he played for the Yankees. That was my guess. Of course, what do I know? But Um, His name's been tossed around for several seasons in connection with other jobs. So I think eventually he gets a job, and I think it's probably going to be this one. But I agree, mostly because I think the Yankees seem to be prioritizing the manager's ability to connect with a player. Mm -hmm. They want a guy that connects with a player. They're not worried about the interest, uh, how much experience he has. So, yeah, I, I think he will have no prior managing experience. I agree as well, just because most of the candidates that have been linked, guys like Aaron Boone, guys like Hensley Millens, and uh, I think David Cohn said he threw his hat into the ring. John Flaherty, I think, was mentioned there. But most of the guys mentioned are not former managers. Some of them have no coaching experience. I mean, Aaron Boone went right into the ESPN booth, and he's still there. So I think just because most of the candidates mentioned have no experience, and they seem to be the first guys that the team is interested in talking to, I think it's going to be one of them. So I will agree with the statement. The Buffalo Bills' back-to-back beat-down losses at the hands of the Jets and Saints are indicative of this team's true talent level, and their 5-2 and two start was just a mirage. You know, I say shenanigans, Zach, but I would have said that with more confidence last week than after that home loss to New Orleans. The defense, I thought, was the strength of this team, and they gave up something like 500 yards of mm. Saints offense. They allowed 47 points. Two guys rushed for over 100 yards. Mm-hmm. Though I root for the Bills, they're not my favorite team. So not being a Bills fan, I'm not giving up on them halfway through the season. Listen, I think they're playing hard. That game against the Saints was, I'm going to throw that one out. Maybe I'm crazy to do that, but they're 5-4. and four. They got seven games left. I see four very winnable games among those seven. Uh, you know, look, I, I think they're going to be okay. I really do. Uh, I say shenanigans to the statement as well. I think that... Look, I was at that Saints game. I was sitting at the 50-yard line shaking my head and booing along with everybody else. It was a very discouraging event. And I have to say, I'm not one of the guys that has been calling for Nathan Peterman all season. But after seeing what I saw on Sunday in person, I'm excited about the quarterback change. I don't think Nathan Peterman's a franchise quarterback. I don't think he's the guy that's going to lead you to the promised land. But he is a much better fit for this offense than Tyrod Taylor is. And I think that you could see at least a little bit of a bounce back offensively. Now he's thrown right into the fire. He's going to face some tough defenses in the next few weeks. So we're going to find out a lot about him in a hurry. But I think this team has more talent than the national media seems to recognize. And I do think that they'll at least be in the playoff hunt till the end of the season. There is no way they are as bad as they looked last Sunday against the Saints. They're just, they're just not that bad. No. That's not the team that we saw 
all year long. So They looked like you and I were playing on the offensive and defensive line for them. Well, I don't know if they look that bad. <laughs> Speaking of looking bad on the football field, Ben McAdoo Ooh. will still be the New York Giants head coach at season's end. Truth or shenanigans? Yeah, he will be, but not much after that. For <laughs> some reason, and I have no idea why, ownership has said they're not going to make a change during the season. As a And as a Giants fan, that absolutely pains me. But that's really, though, when you think about the Giants, that's pretty much standard operational procedure. That's what mm-hmm. they do. They don't, they don't do that very often. They're very loyal. Yeah, he will be. A, he'll see the season through, I guess. But, boy, I don't think much longer after that. I call shenanigans on the statement as well. I think when the team comes out and says, we will not make a change midseason, what they're basically saying is, we will make a change right after the season. <laughs> and uh, I think he, you know, the next day, I think he'll be in the unemployment line. But, I mean, it just... What do they call that? Black Monday? Black Monday. Yeah. That's... But I think that when as soon as you have players leaking to the media that saying that you've lost the room, you're done. You know, you... you and he's nuts, yeah. by the way. Listening to I listen to a lot of New York sports stations, you know, sports talk stations, and they they obviously they cover the Giants closely. And just having heard some of the things he's saying, he's crazy. I and, and he you could tell that by probably, looking at him. Yeah, he's probably not crazy. He's probably just not a gifted speaker. He's probably not used to mm-hmm. it. But he says some things that just make you scratch your head. And my concern is that. The Giants are pretty good on paper. I believe they've they're, they've given up. I believe they're not really playing hard for him. But on paper, this is a shocking start. Some people predicted them as a Super Bowl team. Mm-hmm. Many people predicted them as a playoff team. Now they're this bad? I, look, here's the problem with all that. What if they play really well down a stretch enough to save McAdoo's job? And then you're back next year. Oof, I don't know if it's savable at this point. It might be past the point of no return. I'd like to think so. Last but not least, the Dallas Cowboys' ugly performance against Atlanta on Sunday is what we can expect from them going forward without Ezekiel Elliott. You know, I say shenanigans to that. Much like the Bills, I don't think they're as bad as they played last Sunday. There's they probably can't be. <laughs> Well, true, you're right. But there's got to be some adjustment. I, They're not going to be as good, obviously, without Ezekiel Elliott as they would be with him. But as we've said before, Alfred Morris is a capable back. That he should be able to keep them in games. They've got a ton of offensive weapons. No, that ugly performance against Atlanta, I think, says a lot more about Atlanta than it does Dallas. Uh, I say shenanigans on this statement as well. I'm on quite a streak here. But I think that had more to do with, um, as has been mentioned quite a bit, the downgrade that they had at left tackle. With Tyron Smith being out, Chaz Green being in there, and uh, I think I've seen subway turnstiles that had more stops than he had (laughs) at left tackle it was abysmal I think Tyron Smith there's a chance I believe that he plays this week even if he doesn't they've got to have seen the tape and seen they've got to find a way to get him some help put a blocking tight end over there or something because he was awful so I think when you see this offensive line get back to where it's supposed to be you'll see Dak Prescott have more time and I think the offense will look a little bit better that's it for shenanigans I'm Benson. He's Barletta. We're going to take a break. This is the Beyond the Game program. Coming up on the other side of the break, we got Andrew Dorr visiting with us, cross-country coach at Roberts Wesleyan College. Come on back. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, 
Any place that can pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024, that's 585-426-5024, and let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. I'm pleased to be able to welcome into the program Andrew Dore. Andrew coaches a cross-country team at Roberts Wesleyan College. And Andrew, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Rick. It's good to be here. You have the unique opportunity, and I don't know how many people have such an opportunity, to coach alongside your wife, Jennifer, which that's got to be pretty cool for you. Can you take a moment and talk about how much working with her means to you and, and, and maybe what roles each of you have in coaching the team? Yeah, well, first of all, I'll just say that um, my wife and I, that we complement each other. And uh, we complement P-L-I each other, but we also complement P-L-E each other. Um, and uh, what I mean by that is we have different personalities, different strengths, different weaknesses, and uh, and we work really well together. And so obviously that, that works well for a marriage, but it also works well for a, for a coaching partnership. And um, I, I there are some aspects of it that I do independent of her, but as a whole... I, I couldn't do this um, without her because of the uh, the pieces that um, the parts that she plays in 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 the uh, in the partnership, um, and then on top of it, the travel. Uh, I I just I couldn't be away from her for as much of the time if she weren't traveling along. So it, she she helps tremendously, um, you know, in terms of the X's and O's um, and the administrative work and so on, but. She also is is a is a support to me, and and you know I just I just don't think I could I could spend all that time away if she weren't if she wasn't alongside me. Now I should say congratulations, both you and Jennifer were named ECC Coaches of the Year this season, and I know you're going to be modest. I know you're going to say it's about the great athletes, and while that may be true, coaches do of course play a key role in the team's success as well. What do you consider to be the most important of all the things that you do as a coach for your athletes? I think, um, simply put, we try to help the students get out of their own way. Um, I, you know, I, I often I have conversations with with athletes in my office, and and it usually goes one way or another. Um, one way would be I say. 
listen, there are two types of athletes, those that I need to hold back and those uh, under whom I need to light a fire to get going. Um, and so depending on the type of student I'm working with, um, I have to take that, that approach to, to, you know, kind of get them going in the right direction. So I think just, you know, at, at, in coaching, I, I think like my number one task is to just bring balance and perspective to the students. They have busy lives and they, uh, you know, good distance running, um, training and, and competing well at the end of the season requires balance. And then there's ups and downs all along the way. Um, and so they, they sometimes need someone to give them perspective. So as long as I can keep doing that, um, helping them get out of their own way by, by bringing balance and helping them um, get perspective, I, I, I think they're going to do just fine. Now, you've been a distance runner for many years yourself. How old were you when you first got involved in running? Uh, I, in seventh grade, which was 1997, I, uh, I joined um, the cross-country team for the, for the first time. And I really did it just because my brother had casually joined the team for, I don't know, maybe a year, a year and a half. He was three years ahead of me. He had actually quit the team by the time I joined. But I just thought by sixth grade, I thought, oh, I'll just give it a shot. I, I don't really know why I did, but I did. The men's team narrowly recently missed out on and bid to the national championships, the NCAA national championships, missing out by just six points. Now that you've had a few days to kind of absorb that, are you more disappointed by missing so closely or are you more encouraged because you have such a young team? I think you're returning all five starters next season and four of the five the year after that. Well, the right thing to say is that I'm encouraged and not disappointed. But in all honesty, I am encouraged, and I'm really not all that disappointed. I'm a little disappointed, but I'm really not. And and I, I said to my wife and our assistant coach right at the start of the men's race, just before the gun was going to go off, and I said, you know, if they finish fourth today, I'm going to be perfectly content with that. A few weeks before, they had been ranked 10th in the region, and then they were ranked 9th. And after a good conference performance, they had moved up. But we didn't know exactly where they were going to finish. Um, so we very easily could have finished ninth or 10th. And, uh, and we're actually returning the, all seven runners that ran at regionals. Um, so we're at least returning our, our top six. Um, and we have some good recruits coming in. So I am really encouraged and really excited about what's to come here in the next few years. We're talking with Andrew Dorr, head coach for Robert Wesleyan's college's very successful cross-country squad. Both you and your wife were athletes at Roberts, and now you find yourself coaching there. How much does your experiences as an athlete help you in your role as a coach? Well, um, I think in a, in a unique way, my experience as an athlete has, um, has, has shaped my coaching background and my coaching approach. Uh, I spent a lot of time injured in high school, in college on the sidelines with complex overuse injuries that I would just go from one physical therapist to the next trying to figure out. And that led me to have a, a, an understanding of, and, a, and, and a desire to, to deal with overuse injuries, which are so common in distance running. So that's not the only part of it, of course. It's not just keep the runners healthy and they're going to be fine um, and they're going to be successful. There's more to it than that. But I would say that's a significant part um, of how my my experience as an athlete has had an impact on my coaching 
um, in terms of my experiences and getting over those injuries and and having this desire to uh, to prevent these injuries so that they're not an impediment for the runners and their success. I know you are very serious about the training that goes into being a successful distance runner. Roberts has won four straight ECC titles, so it would seem that all the preparation and all the training and conditioning is is paying off. Is there something that you're doing differently than other schools that cause your athletes to be so ready to compete, and I, I guess both physically and mentally? Well, I can't uh, I can't speak for um, the other teams uh, and coaches in terms of their preparation. Um, I just know that for us, running well at the end of the season um, is the most important thing. You know, it's encouraging to get better throughout the season. Um, and distance runner, distance running requires confidence. And and in order to get confidence, you have to have you have to see improvement. Um, and so, seeing improvement throughout the season can really give the program, the team's momentum as they head into the championship season. So, you know, all that we try to do is is we just try to um, we try to be cautious early on in the year and then build gradually um, so that the runners aren't aren't uh, they haven't uh, they haven't had to work too hard for too long. Um, we, we try to kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of getting get it. Obviously, you have to work hard. We want them to get in the hard work for just the right amount of time and then back off so that they're fresh enough to make the most of, of their championship um, season. Readiness is such a critical part of that because the life of a student athlete is such a busy one, and, and distance running in particular takes years of preparation and training. How involved are you as a coach in keeping your athletes focused on their goals and, and not only staying committed to the rigorous training, but balancing their academic life in the process? Well, I think that's really that sums up what Division Two. Um, is what NCAA Division II provides in terms of a program or college affiliation, because our whole objective is to be able to provide a student um, a student athlete experience so that they can excel in multiple disciplines, so that they can be great athletes and have success in athletics. But we don't want them to have to compromise their academics or their relationships outside of their relationships outside the team, um, and and certainly not their relationship with God and their uh, and their church family. So that's really like that's what we're that's what we're trying to do. Everything we do within the program is to streamline so that so that they can they can balance all those things if if need be. Um, you know, most of our students are are great students, um, smart and hardworking. Um, so I, most of the time I, I don't get involved, but, um, when there are students who are struggling, definitely, um, help those students to find the, the resources and the support in order to, uh, to be successful. And, and typically that's a short lived challenge for the student, or at least, or at least the trouble associated with that is short lived. Um, usually they find the support, they figure out a system that's going to work for them. And then I don't have to worry about it from that point forward. Speaking of academic excellence, not one, but two of your athletes were honored with the ECC Elite 18 Award. It's an award which goes to a student athlete with the highest cumulative grade point average competing in each of ECC's 18 championships. Both Nathan Cannon and Mariah Martone were honored, both with 4.0 GPAs. Each ran very well at the ECC championship. 
Cannon, in fact, was named first-team all-conference, uh, Martone second. Obviously, that must be very satisfying for you as a coach to see your athletes doing so well in the classroom as well as on the field. What does that type of an award say about your program as a whole? Well, I think, like, as I described before, that's like, that's the epitome of the NCAA Division II student-athlete, being able to to accomplish great things in the sport um, without any negative impact on their on their uh, academic performance um those two are exceptional they're exceptional student athletes um diligent in all they do so it's not surprising even though it is impressive of course there are many many light life lessons even spiritual ones in, in in staying the course as runners do does a coach have a role in helping student athletes prioritize their their time with god i know you said that you, you do sort of help with that how do you encourage your athletes in their walks with of faith? Yeah, so I would say that that the first way um, is we work very hard to maintain an environment in our program that um, that allows students without too much outside influence to pursue a relationship with God. And uh, so I think that's the first part that that we as coaches play in, in terms of you know the types of athletes that come into the program. Um, but also, there are things that you know need to be kept up with with the students who are here. It's not enough to just bring in um, the student athletes who are going to fit in well. It also um, we have to play a role in um, working with the team leaders. Um, I would say that's our biggest thing is working with the team leaders to uh, to keep all of the students engaged in some type of regular Christian fellowship and and devotions. So. We encourage the team to have a Bible study each week, and um, you know we don't make it mandatory for any to attend. But these Bible studies are highly attended. I would say that you know of the 20 women and 20 men on the team on any given week, from what I hear, you know you have 17, 18, 19, or 20 attending regularly. Mm. So you know that certainly is is a huge thing. Um, I know that that was a great experience and opportunity for a young man that you spoke to last year, um, Aaron Bellamo, who, when he came into the program, um, had come from a secular school and um, did not know Christ. And so I sat across from him at the table and I said, Aaron, this is the type of environment that we have here. And I don't have any problem that you're not a Christian, but you do have to live up to the expectations that we have here. I said, can you do that? And he he thought about it. He was very he's a very thoughtful young man. He thought about that and he came back to me and said, Yeah, I, I can do that. And and it was a challenge. He he did give up things, but it wasn't easy for him to do that. But over time, because of the environment that he was in, he didn't have those influences and he had made a commitment to the behavior and through that particular environment, through that experience, um, God began working in his life. And of course, it isn't the environment, it isn't me, it isn't the Bible study or the teams that transformed Aaron. Um, it was God who transformed Aaron because he's the only one that can do that. Um, but what we what we aim to do, what we hope to do, is just keep that environment and, and keep those influences, so that God um, will continue to work in this team in the way that He worked with Aaron and with others who have come through the program as well. Once again, we're talking with Roberts Wesleyan's cross country coach Andrew Dorr. 
I don't mean to put you on the spot, but would you mind sharing with us how you first came to that point in your life where you realized you needed a Savior and placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Well, I, I think that um, it has been a gradual process of realization. I think that um, I realized this year at 32 that I need a Savior more than I knew that or realized that at 29 and at 26 and at 23 and so on. So I know that there must have been a point along the way. I grew up in a Christian home. My my family are, are all Christians. My my parents were a great Christian influence on me. So I must have been five or six when I when I first made that commitment. Certainly over the years, God has continued to work in my life and has pointed out all along the way, um, each year maybe a little bit more, or maybe maybe it's become a little bit clearer to me where I fall short and how much I, I do need God to continue to work in my life. How can we pray for you, Andrew? You know, I think that um, it is a uh, it's a tough world out there, um, and I know that the Christian Church and um, Christian organizations are up against um, obstacles and have challenges within and without them. And uh, and so I, I think that our program specifically continues to need prayer in terms of, of providing an environment and the people, the leadership to disciple um, these young, and me- young men and women to bring in those who, um, who are not from a Christian background, um, and to bring them to Christ, but also to, to disciple the individuals that have come from a Christian environment so that they may continue to grow and, and come to know Christ better. And, uh, yeah, so I think that's, that's the biggest thing, um, is that even, even within a Christian organization, it's, it's not easy. So that's, that's what I would ask for. That's Andrew Dorr. He's the cross country coach at Roberts Wesleyan College. Another fine example of the good things going on there. Andrew, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I wish you all the best and continued success with such a great program at Roberts Wesleyan College. Thanks a lot, Rick. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. We'll be back right after this. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Bring it. Welcome back to the program. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. I'm your huckleberry. First <laughs> Peter 2.17 says, Honor all people. Love the brotherhood, fear God, 
honor the king. Quick and simple this week, it was Military Appreciation Night in Brooklyn on Monday when the Nets took on the Boston Celtics after missing one game and most of another. Celtics guard Kyrie Irving was back in action, though he was wearing one of those you know, protective face masks that they wear. He suffered a facial fracture thanks to the elbow of a teammate, as it was, a few nights prior. Despite the mask, Irving scored a game-high 25 points, leading the Celtics to yet another victory. I think this has been the 13th straight, but it was after the game. When Irving went over to stands to honor a group of uniformed military personnel who were seated there, he took off his game-worn shoes and his jersey and then gave it to two of the servicemen there. Kyrie Irving's generosity and his, and his respect for our nation's veterans is what I like, you like that? this week. You like that? In that time that he missed, it was already weird seeing the Celtics without Kyrie. It was almost like he'd fallen off the planet. Uh, what I liked this week was a tweet from Sweeney Murdy of WFAN. said that before spring training in 2016, Carlos Beltran, uh, then with the Yankees, had asked for one of the young players on the team to be moved into his corner of the clubhouse, have a locker next to him so that he could mentor him on what it meant to be a Yankee and to be a major league ball player, and how to live your life accordingly. And that player, as it turns out, was Aaron Judge, and we see where Aaron Judge is today. So to see a great veteran player like uh, Beltran mentoring Aaron Judge, that was what I liked to hear this week. That's what they talk about, clubhouse leadership. This has been the Beyond the Game program. Please stop by our website, btgprogram.com. Not only can you find information about the program, but you can also find information about what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ and knowing him as your Savior. And for those of you who may feel so led, you can make a donation to our radio ministry at the website. It does take money to be able to put this program on the air so that we can present the gospel to listeners all around the world through Sports Talk Radio. We're needful, and we're grateful for your support. And be sure to check out the Myth and Mysteries podcast. If you enjoy myths, curious stories, unsolved mysteries, I'm telling you, you're going to appreciate this podcast. Zach Barletta does it with his brother. Myth and Mysteries, it's available on iTunes and Google Play, or visit their website, mythandmysteriespod.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold. And be great this week, everybody. 